Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to a new episode of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host, Dave Elliott. And on this episode, we are catching up with the wonderful and lovely friend of the show, composer Phil Eisler. For those of you who haven't heard the other six times we've interviewed Phil, he began his career as a touring musician where he travelled, recorded and wrote with a multitude of artists, including uh, most notably for the British audience, Robbie Williams, who uh, he also wrote a number of songs for as well. As a TV composer, he's been the man behind the music for shows such as Empire, Revenge, Unreal and What If, along with the recent Netflix series Biohackers and Outer Banks, both of which are due to return soon for second season and the new Disney Plus series Big Shot. On the film side, he's scored movies such as The Titan, Chips, Marty Noxon's To the Bone, the documentaries Newtown and Us Kids, and a number of Melissa McCarthy and Ben Falcone's films, including Life of the Party, Superintelligence, and their latest, which has been the number one streaming movie in the USA, Thunder Force. If you've not caught Thunder Force yet, it stars Melissa McCarthy and Octavia Spence as two childhood best friends who are reunited as an unlikely crime-fighting superhero duo when one invents a formula that gives ordinary people superpowers. It's an outrageously fun and silly film, and Phil creates this wonderful, outrageous, kick-ass soundtrack to go with it. Teaming up with heavy metal legends such as Dave Lombardo from Slayer and Mr. Bungle, Scott Ian from Anthrax, Corey Taylor from Slipknot, Lizzie Hale from Hailstorm, along with heavy metal cellist Tina Gao, Phil puts together something of a metal supergroup to create a sound which they have been referring to as orchestral metal. It is one of my favourite things Phil has ever put together so far, and uh, if you check out his Instagram feed, you'll see they had an outrageously fun time doing it too. I should also point out, this was put together in the middle of the logistical nightmare, which was a global pandemic. If you'd like to hear more behind-the-scenes interviews, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcast by searching for Geek Town Radio. This gives you our weekly Geek Town Radio podcast, which brings you all the latest TV, filming, and gaming news. You can also go to the website at geektown.co.uk for daily news stories and all the latest UK and US TV premiere dates. Quick note to anybody listening with small children, there are a couple of F-bombs in this interview, so you have been warned. Here's the interview with the brilliant and wonderful composer, Phil Eisler. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Dave. Phil, how are you doing? How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. It's nice to be chatting with you again for the seventh time, this is. (laughs) Is Really? Yes. Hell, my God, I've been doing this for too bloody long. (laughs) Yeah, first time, I went back and looked, actually. The first time was 2013, I think, was the first time we did it. Wow, that's crazy, dude. And the last time I saw you was in the studio at Warner Brothers, because I was over there, and that was mid-February, and... I like landed at the end of February. Two weeks later, they locked everything. So God, that yeah. 2020? Jesus. Yes, that was February 2020. Wow. So I wanted to catch up again. And yeah. <laughs> how's your year been? <laughs> Anything interesting yeah. happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, Thunder Force. Well, yeah. When we spoke about Thunder Force, you mentioned you were doing it, I think, uh, last time. Right. You hadn't actually seen the film, I think. You'd read yeah. the script, but you hadn't actually yeah. seen the film. So that entirely was put together throughout the pandemic which is well, pretty incredible quite. i guess they, they they so i guess in february they was either still shooting i think they actually wrapped at the end of 2019 but right i think they'd begun editing and i hadn't seen a cut yet and then i believe we got kind of turfed out of warner brothers I think in early March. Yeah, I went back through your Instagram feed. It looks like it was early, mid-March, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. So we had to kind of evacuate along with everybody else. All the producers, directors, and zoo animals that live there all that go. And I guess... Thunder Force kind of started to land on my desk somewhere in the spring because I think there was a moment where sort of obviously March, April, everybody was like, uh, <laughs> what are we doing? Like nobody yeah. knew, you know, this this is kind of unprecedented. We don't really know what to do at this point. You know, it was like, uh, is it going to grind to a halt? Do we still have a movie? Is yeah, going to work at home? No one knew. So we were sort of in the middle of adapting by, you know, me and my crew were all sort of moving to our respective houses, basically with all the gear we could load into the back of a U-Haul. Yeah. And then we just sort of started to slowly get on with it. But to be honest, as I remember, there was a period where we kind of didn't do anything for a little bit. I mean, I think I was maybe writing some themes and stuff, but I I had those after a while. And then I think, I don't think I saw a picture in in a while and actually quite nice. I mean, for the first time in quite a long time, I was hanging out with my kids and not working constantly. Yeah, well, I mean, I was going to say, because you, you, I mean, are pretty renowned for just being buried under work like constantly I mean you're I don't know always why. busy I'm renowned for that that's like every composer I know literally. well yeah that is true I guess but yeah certainly I mean you yeah, know but you are definitely one of the ones that are, are just solid all the time and, and so the whole pandemic thing must have been really odd for you because suddenly you can't do anything for a bit and yeah. I mean you got back eventually but that must have it been was, strange it was odd at first but I think the world and life was so odd that probably the 
last thing on my mind was yeah. imposing anything. I think it was more like, how do we not get fucking poisoned from our, <laughs> you know, it was, it was like everybody at that point was just in sort of mass hysteria mode. Yeah. And nobody knew, you know, it's like, remember the, the biggest rentals at the time were that Soderbergh movie and like Outbreak. And yeah. I literally thought that, you know, if you went outside without a spacesuit on, you were fucked. You were just, yeah. you were just basically going to burst into flames, you know. That was, it was, um, I think, like everybody else, I think I was more concerned with, okay, well, what does life look like now? Yeah. How long for and all the rest of it. So obviously we sort of gradually navigated that thing. And I think by the time we sort of got down to Thunder Force a little more seriously, things were starting to not sort themselves out, but were starting to at least make a little bit more sense, you know, yeah. as far as they do now. So basically, we sort of, or we, I started writing themes and I took my time about it, to be honest, you know, because it was, it was really nice. It was like, you know, I'd work eight hours a day and it was, you know, all sometimes less. It was like, hey, this is good. You know, this is a nice life. It's, it was, uh, yeah. you know, before things went back to being absolutely batshit mental as they are again. But yes, um, but it was nice for a bit because, you know, I just kind of wrote the themes and did my bit. And then when I got the picture, and I saw that Melissa's character, Lydia, was a, a grown-up metalhead in it. Mm. That's when I started getting the idea of, I wonder if this could be, like, part thrash metal score. I mean, it was it was always going to be a superhero score, so there was always going to be an orchestra and a choir and all the trappings that you expect with that kind of movie. Yeah. But, you know, I started experimenting with thrash metal, which was sort of my teenage years, basically. I mean, I think, yeah. I think like, the second and third gigs I ever went to were Slayer and Anthrax. I think the first was by a maiden, and then I was, you know, just in, yeah. like, my metal years, basically. So I started thinking about that, and then um, our friend Tyler Bates happens to be friends with Dave Lombardo from Slayer, so I kind of right. up and said, do you think Dave might be into, you know, doing something? And he, he's like, well, and call him up. And got a call from Dave, which was weird because, you know, he's one of my childhood heroes. Like mm. I remember air drumming all the parts to Rain and Blood when I was a kid. Yeah. And then some way in my conversations with him, I said, you know, I knew, I knew that he'd just done the bungle with Scott Ian. I said, do you reckon Scott might be in there doing something? And he was like, well, let me ask. And it was the same with Scott. You know, they're both like two of the nicest guys I've ever met. And um, I sent them some of my demos and they were like, yeah, we like this. This is great. We love Melissa McCarthy. This, let's do it. Yeah. Next thing you, you knew, you know, we were doing it. That's the thing. You got Dave Lombardo, Scott Ian, Corey Taylor as well from Slipknot. Yeah. And Lizzie Hale. Uh, Lizzie Hale. Got Tina Guo as well, who is a cellist as far as I don't know her particularly. Dad, that- come on. What kind of a film geek are you? <laughs> come on, man. Tina is, well, these days she's firmly, I think, amongst other things, part of Hans Zimmer's camp of musicians so she she was in his band when he took his show out on the road ah. even before that for years before that she's sort of known in our community she's really a very accomplished cellist just like um you know there are quite a few of them here that you know routinely play in my orchestras and on my scores and stuff and i mean i say my orchestras euphemistically like it's a thing i have it's you know the orchestras that play for me when i'm lucky enough to get them right yeah but she's also kind of carved out a niche for herself as a a real artist you know with a with an image and you know she has a lot of followers online and plays all over the world doing all kinds of stuff but what you'll probably know her for best is hans's wonder woman theme right yeah yeah because i mean i 
actually looking through it. I mean, there's like Wonder Woman, Cyberpunk, June. She was on Doug Kirk. Uh, I mean, there's there's yeah. like a really it's a ridiculous CV. Yeah, I mean, um, she she plays for hands a lot and a lot of other people besides. I've used her on schools before. You know, she has a very particular thing that she does with the electric cello, and that's what hands kind of utilized on on Wonder Woman. And in this movie, there's a character called Laser that has this very sort of snake-like yes. um, theme, you know. And I played it on the cello. Now, by the way, when I say played, I use that <laughs> in the loosest fucking sense of the word because there is no world in which I can play cello at the minute. But um, right, yeah. I did play it on the on the movie and, you know, it kind of worked because my version of cello playing is this weird slithery kind of spot the right note thing, you know? Yeah. So when it came to the song, I wanted something a little more solid. Like my version worked great in the movie and it actually had kind of its own cool sound. But within the band, I wanted something more powerful and something definitely more electric. So when I actually included that theme in the song, I always wanted her to play it. Yeah. It always made sense. And at that point, it became this kind of ridiculous metal supergroup of, you know, because that's the other side. Yeah. Tina has this whole metal side to her. So it kind of just fit because, yeah. you know, we got obviously Scott and Dave and then Corey and Lizzie came on board and it was, she just kind of rounded out the cast nicely. Yeah. I mean, it's an incredible group you put together. And having seen the bits that you've posted on Instagram, you seem to be having an immense amount of fun doing this. Oh, man. Yeah, it was the most fun I've ever had on a movie. It was a blast. Where did you end up recording it? Because I know the the original plan was to do it in London. Did you actually manage to do it over here or, or was so it done over there? In, we did it in both. We did, most of it was done in London. Right. And we did the orchestra at Air Studios. And then we kind of got together with the band and we kind of basically had to create a bubble for ourselves because this is, remember, this is like the height of COVID. Yeah. No vaccine in sight, you know. Yeah. So at that point, we basically said, look, this is not something we can do remotely. This has to be, you know, we have to all kind of get together and do it, be able to feel the vibe of the, the band. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? So we all quarantined. We all got tested every day. And yeah. then we sort of created a little bubble at the back of the studio and we just went in there and did it. And it was just, you know, two weeks of us and our crew and it was as though COVID didn't exist. It was kind of weird. That's fantastic. The score for this, I mean, it's possibly one of my favourite things of yours you've ever oh, done. thank you, man. I'm glad to hear it. It's just wonderfully just... <laughs> outrageous and just fantastic. I, I really, really love the score for this. The movie's brilliant as well. I mean, the movie's just hilarious. And, oh, and you know. I love the fact that at some point, Melissa must have had to have gone to Jason Bateman and go, will you be in my movie here where these crab arms? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. The thing I love about working with Ben and Melissa is I think their entire world revolves around just having a good laugh with friends mostly. And like, yeah. hey, let's get Jason in this movie and let's get, you know... Bobby Cannavale in this movie and he was in their last movie and I think they're all just mates and they just have a from what I can see anyway is that they just have an absolute blast I mean not to say that it's any easier making a movie making a movie no. still you know like a massive endeavour and it's a ton of work but I think they've got something right about life. You know, it's like, yeah, well, let's have fun doing this shit. Yeah, I mean, everything I hear about Ben and Melissa from anybody that I've spoken to that works with them says they are they are the loveliest, loveliest people. And, Absolutely uh, awesome. Yeah. I love the film, though. I just thought, I thought the film was oh, just nice. wonderful. <laughs> Glad you liked it. And I, I like the fact that you described it as outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm going for. 
outright. Yes, totally. You coined the term orchestral metal, which I rather like. You <laughs> hashtags. It just, I mean, it seemed like a good description for it. It's not something I particularly put much thought into. It just sort of started to take on it. That hashtag kind of started to take on a life of its own. Yeah. Um, that's essentially what it is. I mean, it wasn't, the idea wasn't to have some metal stuff and some orchestral stuff. It, it was for, you know, most of it at least to sort of live in the same space. And apart from basically one cue on the album, it, it's, you know, a combination of the two. And it's not like guitars and drums haven't been used in scores before. Like, that's not that new a mm-hmm. thing. But I wanted it to be absolutely real, which is why I hired Scott and Dave and not just, you know, very yeah. able, very solid session players who can do that kind of thing because those people absolutely exist. And for that matter, I could have probably done most of it myself because I did the demos myself and they were certainly structure-wise, they're very, very close to what you hear in the movie. Yeah. But then anytime I think, oh, yeah, well, my demos are pretty good. We could just get like, yeah, we could just go with that. And then I compare it to the recordings with Scott and Dave. It's like you, you listen to them back to back and you're like, okay, Phil, shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's just it's night and day it's it's you know one's an idea and the other's music yeah it's incredible the amount of difference that you could get but just by yeah that's why they are who they are though i guess so, Absolutely. You know. it's nothing to do with just pure ability although both of them are very able musicians and they're incredibly proficient in what they do the key difference is they fucking invented what they do yeah i mean well yeah it's not like you're not an able musician is it really no, <laughs> i can play all that stuff fine and i was actually quite pleasantly surprised to see that i could still play because i hadn't really played anything like that since I was a teenager so it was like ah yeah Yeah. still kind of there (laughs) but it's not the same thing it's not about ability it's just that they came up with that sound in the first place and it's it's an intangible thing that they bring to it that just puts a rocket up the arse of the whole thing you know it's a completely different vibe to just getting session players in that's nothing against session players that's what those guys do they come in and they do this sort of precision bombing approach to everything and there are levels within that game too believe me there are some you know and the the ones i choose to keep company with or at least will have me around are (laughs) some dangerous dangerous musicians and some of them played on this movie and were amazing yeah but with people like scott and dave that's not what you're hiring them for you're you're hiring them to basically just be themselves you know and that it just translates into a whole different kind of energy in the room they're just they invented it you know they were we were always trying to get scott to play anthrax riffs in the studio <laughs> <laughs> really sick of us after a while but um there's a th- there's actually a thing on my instagram where he plays the riff to madhouse right and we're all just like oh it's that sound it's like yeah it just sounds like him yeah you know yeah so that, he, it's, he, it's he, weird it isn't it a blast man it was so much fun to spend two weeks in the studio with those guys and then Corey and lizzie to this day i still haven't actually met in person it was all remote oh. and we sort of sent them ideas and they sent stuff back and it was pretty immediate actually it, it happened really really quickly i mean generally obviously you managed to get to do that in person with other projects over this period how have you been managing recording people and is it is it been doing that remotely or have you yeah. managed to get other things together well that's just it i mean there wasn't much besides thunder force going on for a lot of 2020 so yeah. at the beginning it's funny because you know the year as it usually does began with this flurry of activity i think 
think right before I saw you, I'd been to New York. I'd been to, working on something. I'd been to Sundance with a movie that I'd done the previous year. Um, mm. And I came back and, you know, everybody was fired up and sort of ready to go. And then, of course, we all know what happened. Yeah. But the beginning of it, I still had projects sort of left over and were finishing up. Things like Empire were finishing up. In fact, that was mm. finishing up the, the actual series. And um, we sort of did whatever we had in the can. And in fact, I ended up doing a little piece about it for Deadline Hollywood um, mm. where we sort of recorded the last couple of episodes of Empire Remotely so that, you know, the orchestra basically didn't lose their jobs for any reason. Because again, you have to remember it was, it was a time of really scary uncertainty because suddenly yeah. everybody was out of work. The entire world is out of work overnight. And mm. not only were people predicting the worst, but there were businesses starting to go under on the high street and, you know, yeah, yeah. it was scary. So we were just trying to figure out, Christ, how do we at least keep the orchestra employed and all the rest of it? And so there was a fair amount of energy dedicated to recording things remotely, literally player by player, which is not an ideal way to do it, but <laughs> we didn't have any other options. We couldn't gather in any kind of numbers anywhere. Yeah. And then I was even, you know, as having all these discussions with Disney and with companies that were developing stuff for Microsoft to see if there was some kind of a way of being able to record simultaneously remotely. And I got into it with one of the engineers from Abbey Road who who basically encapsulated the whole thing by saying, well, honestly, I think we'll uh, land on Mars before that happens, mate. <laughs> Fortunately, we didn't ever have to deal with it because by the time we got around to recording Thunder Force, you know, after which it was a bit of a lull and I was just basically writing Thunder Force, enjoying my life, London sort of opened up to some measure again and, and we were able to get not quite a full orchestra in the studio, but pretty damn close in seconds. Mm. So we had to... Right. All the strings together, but whereas, you know, the hall that Air Lindhurst can fit, I don't know what it is, like maybe 140 people in or something, you easily get a full orchestra and a choir in there. We managed to get 50, 60 string players into that same space. And literally, they were in every nook and cranny of the room. I mean, they were like behind the conductor to the side and the booth with the door open down the corridor, like everywhere we could get them just to make up the numbers because they all had to be six feet apart. Right. Yeah, yeah, of course. You know, whereas next, normally they're shoulder to shoulder. So we did it. It, it was a longish process. I think we were recording it air for like a couple of weeks. <clears throat> That's just the orchestra and the choir. But it turned out great, you know. It's just yeah. we just figured out what the limitations were and we worked to that. And I know a lot of people had to come up with that solution or another one just to, to keep going, but, you know. Yeah. Turns out it wasn't yeah, well, the world. Well done. I mean, it's, as I say, I, I think the music for, for Thunder Force is fantastic. Thank I think you. you've done a wonderful, wonderful job with it. And, uh, yeah, hopefully you'll have more projects with Ben and Melissa coming up because their stuff's always great fun. Well, yeah, I'll tell you about that when, when I'm allowed to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So, I mean, I know there are a couple of things which will definitely be, I guess, on your radar for, for second seasons because Biohackers got picked up for a second season. And uh, I know Outer Banks has just wrapped filming, I think. Yep. So presumably you're coming back to do those. Yeah. Biohackers I've already wrapped. I've already finished. Um, oh, cool. Recently. Very proud of that score. Really hoping we can get a release for it at some point soon. Very proud of that show, actually. I think... More people in England and America should be aware of that show, even though it's a German language show. And, you know, I think the kind of audience that is on to shows like Money Heist and Lupin and yeah. and Babylon Berlin, you know, are probably aware of it. But I think 
by and large, you know, it's sort of, oh, it's a German language show, so people don't necessarily watch it. I would really mm. highly recommend it. And by the way, I'm not somebody who would highly recommend everything I work on by any means. But no. this is really good. This show's really good. And Christian Ditter, who created the show and who directed the majority of it, is one of my favorite directors working in Hollywood at the moment. I think he's going to be huge. I mean, in the movie world, what I'd done with him before was a comedy. It was a romantic comedy. Right. Which was far better than any romantic comedy deserves to be in <laughs> um, It was a far better film. The cinematography, the way it looked, the way it was set up, it was just, you know, he has all the makings of a great director in almost any genre, I think. But so he created this entire world for biohackers and it was just, it was really great fun working on it. Outer Banks, yeah, is just kind of finishing up. Biohackers is a great series and I, I know you did the stress tape loop stuff that yeah. we talked about last time for that, which is, is yep. it was great, really interesting. And out of Banks, I loved. I know it's sort of a, a teen drama thing, but it's a wonderful, fun adventure series. Right. Really, you're, really you're good fun. Like the next season, then more adventure, that's for sure. I really liked Out of Banks as well. I thought that was great. Uh, you did Big Shot as well, in between. Indeed, of, yeah, somewhere. yeah. That just opened up on Disney Plus the other day. Yeah, and I actually did that as a co-write with my former writing assistant Alexis Grapsis who's oh cool sort of now making quite a name for himself actually excellent and got a few cool indie movies coming up and I think he did a show on the BBC super super talented guy so it was you know it's fun working with him on that and finally seeing him get his name up there yeah I will have to track him down <laughs> should you should go interview for an him. He's, he's, yeah, he's a good dude I will track him down at some point I'm sure I, uh, I can find him at some point so you've got that out uh, there's Isolation, which is a horror anthology yep. thing. Yeah, um, that's it. I, I just did the main titles and the end titles for that, sort of wrote a theme. But one of my best friends, Nathan Crooker, kind of conceived of that whole thing. He's a director in his own right, but he actually sort of conceived of this thing, wrote it and produced it. You know, it was just it was one of those things in quarantine. It was like, well, why not? You know, yeah. You know, we've been mates for twenty years, so it was kind of, mm. it was kind of a no-brainer. Yeah, it's a really interesting idea that there's sort of so yeah, you're doing the sort of wrapping to it, but that sort of makes sense because it's a set. It's like nine different sort of right. interconnected horror stories, isn't it? So yeah. presumably and they then, each and, got and, their you know, own sound done by a different director who's sort of got a name in the genre with their own composers in tow. So yeah, thing had a very distinct feel. Mm. So yeah, I suppose I'm sort of bookending the thing. But yeah, it was it was a cool thing and Nathan's just you know awesome dude that's a really interesting one and uh, the other thing that popped up on your IMDB was Lakewood which is a Philip Noyce right thing. that is in progress at the moment and right okay um, Philip's somebody I've worked with now for god 10 years on numerous things uh, including the revenge pilot actually yeah I was going to say but revenge and what if he was on as well for a that's bit that's right I think. that's right and yeah. we just did another pilot together for Paramount and Fox actually okay so yeah I mean it's a really interesting project it's something it was I guess this was Noisy's uh, quarantine project for himself actually yeah because it's literally just him and Naomi Watts and a camera crew in a forest wow. pretty much that's kind of all I can say about it it's a very compelling movie which is you know it's in the process of being whittled down at the moment so I can't tell you what the final thing even looks like right not that I'm in a position to anyway but it's a super interesting project and anything Philip does I'm sort of always jumping at the chance to work with a guy because he's he's one of the true cinemaphiles still in existence 
I really, really believe that cinema and film, they're something that genuinely matter to him. And it's great working with a guy like that. Plus, you know, I've been watching his films ever since I was a kid. I mean, like Patriot Game, well, yeah. Clear and Present Danger. And yeah. I remember Dead Calm actually coming out. I was still at school. I was working a summer job at the Beckenham Odeon in London, just sort of selling hot dogs and tearing tickets, you know. So yeah. distinctly remember Dead Calm coming out at the time. And I must have seen that film because I worked there. I must have seen that film literally like 300 times. <laughs> so when it came to work with him, I was like, oh yeah, I'm very familiar with your work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's crazy. All right, I will let you get back to things. A couple of last questions yeah. for you, because they're the same that we always do. So first one is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? I bet I give you the same answer last time I spoke to you, which was absolutely nothing. Yes, <laughs> yes, you always say that. I, I, you, I don't have time. I, don't, it, I mean, uh, and also, when I've been working on TV shows or working on movies all day long, the yeah. last thing I want to do is go watch a TV show. But, although, funnily enough, I will go and see movies. Right. You know, I've watched... A ton of movies because I'm a member of the Academy and had to watch them all to vote. So, there's, yeah. you know, there's been loads of great movies. I've been watching a bunch of them. But TV shows, um, like, pff, what did we last watch? I guess I watched The Mandalorian. Right. That was phenomenal. And, yeah. And, which was great. But outside of that... The music for The Mandalorian's just, I mean, uh, yeah, phenomenal. Yeah, Ludwig's a thing, man. He's, he's, um, yeah. he's a proper talent the thing I love I love with Ludwig is what he basically seemed to have done is they said here's a Star Wars series hmm I better go and buy some recorders <laughs> <laughs> which which is not the first place my mind would go <laughs> but that's what's great about Ludwig and it's I know. You know also doesn't suck that he's a very charming nice bloke and, and right. not hard to get on with in any sense but yeah I mean he's he's great with taking things and radicalising their ideas a little bit and yeah fantastic no it's a it's a phenomenal score that i love the music for that show and lastly if you had the opportunity to work on any tv show past present or future or or some sort of genre uh-huh. um what would it be oh man so tv show or movie you did this last time and i said because it's you i'll let you get away with the film so <laughs> so I'm, I'm nothing to pretty come on man you've interviewed me seven times you know me but <laughs> Um, I'm sure I would have said heat before. Yes, that was that was in there. That was one of the things you mentioned. Yeah. You, you can go for a genre if you want to, rather than a, a sort uh, of subject. Okay, all right, let's just change it up. I mean, funnily enough, having got my feet wet doing a superhero movie, I would love to do a serious superhero movie, you know, serious as they can be. Awesome, yeah. A superhero movie now, having amassed some of the tools that I have, but then just totally turning it on its head and doing something different yet again. I would love to work... I tell you what, if there's any director I would love to work with is Patty Jenkins. Right. I'm a huge fan of I think she's just... She's a badass, and she has been ever since... Um, yeah. Ever since Monster, which I think is just, just an incredible film. Uh, man, I'd love to do a Star Wars movie. Well, yes. Or a Marvel movie. One of those, you know, I love it when... And there's a broad canvas for things, but it's sort of evolved to the point. It's kind of like what, you know, talking about Ludwig and the Mandalorian, it's like it's now starting to grow into the tree starting to grow new branches. And mm. I, that's the kind of thing that really excites me. It's not just regurgitating the past. It's sort of still retaining an identity of whatever the franchise is, but wanting to see it somewhat reinvented or reimagined. That's yeah. really exciting to me because the, the, the idea of that broad canvas and movies that I do love movies that aren't ashamed to be unabashedly large on screen yeah I mean not necessarily superheroes and explosions and whatever but just not afraid to play big I love that so that yeah that would be that would be pretty interesting yeah, yeah. there's a lot yeah. of things I'd like to do <laughs> 
<laughs> well, yes. I mean, you know, that, that's a good choice, I think, for this server. Ed. I mean, there's lots of stuff around. And you did do Big Shot, which is a Disney Plus series. So you're in, if you can like nudge your <laughs> right. way a bit more in there, they've, pretty, they've got all the Star Wars and the superhero stuff. So. Yeah, pretty radically different to The Mandalorian, but yes. Uh, True, yes. But, you know, with Thunder Force, it really felt like I was allowed to be, you know, as true to the genre as I wanted to be and turn it on its head a little bit. So yeah. I'd love the opportunity to do that again. That stuff, that was just a lot of fun. No, I could tell. I mean, the videos that you put on Instagram are just like, you know, you could tell you were having an immense amount of fun doing that. So. Yeah, and it comes through in the music, man. It really does. Yeah, no, absolutely it does. It's a fantastic soundtrack and uh, you know, it's a really fun film. So it seems to be doing reasonably well on Netflix from what I've seen from the bits and pieces. Yeah, so. it was their number one film around the entire world last week. Yeah. And it's still so. number two at the moment. So yeah, it's doing pretty stunning. So it's doing pretty good. Lots of eyes on it. Okay, well, I will let you uh, get back to it. Thank you for spending some more time. We'll, I'm sure we'll catch up again in like another 12 months or something. Yeah, sounds good. I'll look forward to it. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. Okay. Cheers. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.